1 John chapter 4, this is a long reading. Listen carefully to what we hear about uh, the God of love. Beloved, do not, let, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Little children, you are from God and have conquered them, for the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loves us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent His Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord, uh, the living Christ. Amen. So I did it this last week. You can uh, do it on your own, but I'll save you the trouble. If you go to your... Uh, computers, your handheld devices, and Google the word love, you'll see over uh, 16 billion, that's a B, billion search results. And as you can imagine, among those billions of links are love poems and love stories. And of course, there are the, uh, the love songs that so many of us know. Uh, in my search, 131 million links to love songs. Songs like the timeless version of When I Fall in Love. Uh, Nat King Cole sang it back in 1956. And then there's the more recent song by Maroon 5, Love Somebody. 
That came out in 2013 with Adam Levine as the lead singer. Last night after the Saturday night service, one of our members who's about 86 years old said, oh, I just love Maroon 5. That, that Adam Levine is quite a singer, you know? So our congregational life is full of wonderful surprises. You know, he sang at the Super Bowl. I said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, some websites are tributes to the, the mystery, the wonder, the beauty of love, the power of it. And some of those links are uh, a little on the, on the nasty, uh, cynical, sarcastic side. Um, I'm not sure if it's true, but it's out there, and it went viral. There's even um, this uh, love letter that goes like this. Uh, Dear Jimmy, no words could ever express the sadness and regret I felt since breaking off our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one in the whole world could ever take your place in my heart. Please forgive me, Jimmy. I can hardly wait to be your wife. Yours forever, Susan. BTW, which is, by the way, congratulations on winning the lottery. (laughs) How soon do we get your money? So... So the love John describes in our reading today, uh, the love that the psalmist has of the Lord, is not that love that Susan expresses in her message to uh, Jimmy. And it's not even the kind of love that um, Adam Levine or Nat King Cole sing about. Uh, In our 21 verses in today's reading from 1 John 4, love is referenced 29 times and it's an altogether different kind of love and if you read the entire epistle uh, that same love is mentioned uh, 51 times so this is a really important part of John's message isn't it to understand this love you can't turn to the internet you can't turn to songwriters you can't turn to love letters Um, you have to turn to God for he And he alone is the source of this amazing love. And in order to help us understand it, I'm going to go back to a Christian writer that I've referenced many times through the years. And some of you have probably got this memorized by now. That's great. And some of you may have never heard this or heard of uh, C.S. Lewis, the great Christian thinker and writer. But he looked at um, our English vocabulary and the way we use the word love to describe so many things. You know, I I love the Lord. Uh, I love my wife. Um, I love the Minnesota Twins. I love green chili. I love summer days. Uh, I love sleeping in. And he said, you know, and that's all the same word. And so we went back to uh, ancient languages and in a series of lectures that were collected and put into a book called uh, The Four Loves, uh, we see how this love, which is God, is, is categorically different. C.S. Lewis reminded us that there are natural loves of this world, eros, the love between a man and a woman, which sadly often gets twisted and, and you know, eros, erotic, something pornographic. And there's nothing pornographic about this tender, beautiful eros love. And then there's uh, philia, and you've heard of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's the love between those who belong to the same uh, city, state, province, nation. And then on a, on a smaller scale, a philia, kind of a, 
a micro of the macro, there's a love called storge, and that's the love that exists, you know, among the, the more intimately familiar. Your, your biological family hopefully has some storge. And C.S. Lewis said, you know, you even experience storge if you know what it means to love a dog and to receive the, the affection of a dog. But John is not writing about any of these three natural loves. He's describing a holy love, a divine love that is different, and it's called agape love. It's the love that we hear in that most familiar passage of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that's not eros, philia, or storge. That is God so agaped the world that he gave us Jesus. So the key to understanding this fourth love, the singular love agape, is to kind of think on you know, what it does to experience the power that it has to transform, to heal, to renew, to make things uh, eternally better. It's important that we think on agape love because so many people today are accustomed to thinking of love as merely a feeling, a feeling, an emotion. Agape is love because of what it does and who is the source of this love. It's, it's not a love based on how someone feels. In verse 16 of our reading today, we hear that God is love. Now, if love is just a feeling, then God is a feeling, right? God's an emotion, and that's certainly not true. Agape is an attribute of God. This love is essential to the eternal character, um, the, the being of God, who God eternally is. Now, all earthly examples, you know, will fail if you push them far enough but think about um, a mother uh, who's been up many nights with a sick child. Uh, she's experiencing sleep deprivation. She's tired. She's worn out. And she doesn't stay up with that baby because um, it feels so nice. But she does that because of a love that compels her to keep watch, to protect and care for that precious child. Uh, God's love is like that, but greater and wider and higher and deeper. God so agaped the world that he gave his only son. It's not because God had a nice, warm, fuzzy, emotional feeling about the sin and death that held this world in darkness. But God rather loved this world so much. God loved you so much and still loves you so much and will always love you so much that he was willing to suffer and die on a cross because it was the agape thing to do. It was the loving thing to do. If you remember anything from the sermon, you remember this. God so agapes you with holy love that he took your place on the cross. It didn't feel good to be flogged and mocked when Jesus was being tortured. It wasn't a warm, fuzzy feeling to have spikes pounded in his bone and in his flesh. But Jesus loves you. And that's what makes agape love so singular. He did what this kind of love required. And this love is not simply an impulse that's generated from feelings that are here one day and gone the next. Agape love we see in Scripture is an exercise of the will. It is a deliberate choice Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
he decided to go where he knew he would suffer and die. And it was love that compelled him to do it. And that's why God can do something that, if you're just thinking about feelings and, you know, how I feel about a situation, it would seem counterintuitive to have God command you to love. Because you think, oh no, I can't be commanded to love. I, I, I love when and where I want to love. And sometimes I fall out of love. Well, this love is different. Because God is not commanding us to have sugary sweet feelings about other people but to act in the agape way toward them so this love you see is directly related to obedience and commitment even when emotions are all over the chart loving someone as the Lord loves us is to obey God on another's behalf especially when that love is hard and costly and difficult. A Christian cannot say, I love God, and the heck with my fellow believers. A Christians do not live in isolation. Even the monks and, and the, the nuns you know, who lived cloistered, I mean, they had their time of prayer alone, but they came together for time in community Holy communion, and, and that's what the church is, the koinonia, the holy fellowship of God's people. And sometimes that life together gets really messy. And it's not always pleasant. And it's not always easy. Sometimes it's really frustrating. I'm going to get real personal. God commands me to love you. But I don't have to like everything you say or do. And I don't have to have a warm, fuzzy feeling in my heart every time I see your sweet face. But I'm called to love you. And I got good news. The reverse is true. You don't have to get warm feelings when you see my sweet face. You don't have to have warm, fuzzy emotions about me or Pastor Clark or Pastor Watts. But God does command you to love us, you see, in, in spite of all of our faults and frailties and sin. You see, this love is not a philosophy. And it's not some idealistic, you know, proposition. Love is a many splendid thing. No, it, it's the cross. And it's truth. And this love was perfectly demonstrated by Jesus. And think about Jesus and what he sees in you. Do you think Jesus likes everything you say or do? I know he doesn't like everything I say or do. But amazingly enough, ha, he loves me. And amazingly enough, he loves you. So I'm going to conclude this first of two sermons on agape love. Going back to C.S. Lewis. And this quote is also included in that book, The Four Loves. And uh, if it's not on your short list of books to read before uh, your funeral, uh, you should put it on there. So I'm going to quote now. And he's talking about agape love here. Uh, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrong and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give it to no one. Wrap it up carefully with all your hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up. 
safe in the casket or coffin of your own selfishness, but in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. Rather, it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. May the peace that far surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds in God's peace and in his perfect love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.